Welcome to Shine Online with Ellie Swift. I'm your host, marketing and mindset coach, Ellie Swift, here to help you connect with your clients, create life-changing results in your online business and shine neon bright online. I built a multi six-figure business in under two years and more importantly, have supported my clients to get amazing results. My clients have generated five and six-figure launches, tripled their income and completely transformed their lives using my signature framework, the Swift Marketing Method. In this podcast, I take you a layer deeper into my business, my life, and my mind. If you're an ambitious entrepreneur, you're in the right place. Let's get started. Welcome back to another episode of Shine Online with Ellie Swift. I'm so excited to introduce you to my friend and client today, Sarah Rusbatch. Sarah is a certified women's health and well-being coach, an accredited gray area drinking coach, and a keynote speaker sharing her journey to sobriety and the impact of alcohol on mental health to global audiences. After developing what she describes as a dysfunctional relationship with alcohol, Sarah made the decision to remove alcohol from her life in early 2019 and has never looked back. She now works with women across the globe, guiding them from feeling lost, stuck, and out of control, something she fully understands herself, to a healthier and happier way of living. Sarah's been featured extensively in media such as the ABC, Mamma Mia, Channel 9, Red Magazine, and more. She's also built an incredible business, which is what you're going to hear us speak about most in this episode. I was so excited for you to get to hear another amazing example of a multi six-figure business and growing that isn't business coaching. And I know that you're going to love this episode and Sarah so much. Just a quick tech note on this one as well before we kick off. You're going to hear in the first 10 minutes of this episode that there's a little bit of a lag occasionally. Bear with us though, because we do fix it about 10 minutes in, and I assure you that you're still going to get all of Sarah's magic throughout this episode. I'm so incredibly excited to be here with my beautiful friend and client, Sarah. Welcome. Welcome online. How are you? I'm very well. I'm so excited to be here as well. Instead of asking the kind of traditional boring question of tell us your story, tell us a little bit about you, I want to get into some of the really fun things that I know about you. So something that I love most, I think you said this to me in a call we had one day where you told me that you were once in a literal work environment where you would generate a sale and you would ring the bell which I think is like the most masculine work environment there possibly is, right? So can you tell us how do you go from being in that kind of work environment to becoming 
a gray area drinking coach where you so beautifully work predominantly with women. Talk us through that transition. Oh, that brings back so many flashbacks. I don't know if it's PTSD or not when I think about having to walk across this room every time I worked in recruitment and when you made a client placement, you had to get up, you had to walk across to the bell that sat on the chairman's desk and then you had to walk around the sales floor ringing it. But the worst thing was, as a fellow colleague, if you were on a call having a really serious client conversation, suddenly the client would be like, what's that noise in the background as someone rings the bell? This was in the 1990s, having moved to London straight out of university and working in recruitment where like your name was on the board. And if, oh my goodness, if you didn't have a placement that month, you just had like the walk of shame every day because your name wasn't on the board. And there were like 200 other people that would like throw sweets at your back. Like, oh no, she haven't made a placement this month. It was brutal, Eddie. It was absolutely brutal. But I think it probably set me up for the rest of my life to be able to deal with stuff. Oh, vet. And so then going from like that kind of dynamic into then obviously going through a huge, huge health journey. So like walk us through that time. So I worked in recruitment for 24 years in the end. So it was a, a long, long career for me and one that I loved. Like I was good at it because I think I'm very curious about people. So it's very natural for me to be in a job that involves asking lots of questions of other people. I'm really nosy. I love knowing everybody's stories. I love knowing stuff about people. And so I was focused on people's goals and their career goals and their dreams. And why weren't they happy in that job? And why did they want another job? And so for me, there was definitely the people element. You know me well enough now to know I'm such a people person. I thrive in people's company, whereas other people find that they get drained being in other people's company. I need it. That's where I get my energy from is from being around other people. So I moved to Australia. I went straight into recruitment as well, but had young children and so set up my own recruitment business. And looking back now, that was the beginning of the end for me because now I can put two and two together and go, well, of course that didn't work for me because I was working for myself at home on my own doing recruitment in Singapore. So I wasn't even doing client meetings or having a reason to leave the house. I was just sat at home all day on my computer and I was dying inside. But it was such a hard one because I was making really good money. We didn't have any family here. We had two young school-aged children. We had not a single person that we could count on to go, oh, mom, I've got to go to work today and one of the kids is sick. Can you come and look after them or anything? We didn't have that. And so from a lifestyle perspective, why wouldn't you do a job that gives you complete flexibility? I could go to the gym when I wanted. I could take the school holidays off. I could work remotely. I made really good money. And so it ticked all of those things. But I was so lacking in connection and fulfillment and purpose. And so I had this kind of like constant argument, conflict happening in my brain. And that's when my drinking really escalated because I can see now that connection is such a value for me and I wasn't getting connection. I was doing a job that I just lost interest in it. By this point, I was doing legal recruitment and there were pros and cons to doing that. But yes, it was. I was disillusioned with what I'd been doing. I was drinking an awful lot because I had no reason to not drink, right? I wasn't going to an office in the morning. I didn't have to be at a meeting. I could sit in my pajamas and, and just go on LinkedIn and try and find some new lawyers that day. I didn't have anyone to show up for. And my drinking escalated. And then finally, I realized that my drinking couldn't carry on how it was. And so I quit drinking in 2019. My recruitment business 
I closed that down in 2020. I retrained to become a women's health and wellness coach in 2020. I then retrained and did further qualifications in gray area drinking. And then I set up my business in January 2021. And so for anyone that's listening that has no idea what we're talking about when we say the term gray area drinking, can you just do a little bit of a overview on that term? And I'd be surprised if many people did know because it is quite a, a new term. So I never identified as being an alcoholic. I never identified as someone, I didn't drink every single day. I didn't drink in the morning. I wasn't physically dependent on alcohol, but I still drank too much. I still really struggled to stop. It took me two years. It wasn't as simple as going, I had my last drink in 2019. There was a lot of internal work that came with that. So gray area drinking, if you think about someone's drinking on a scale of one to 10, one being someone who never drinks or has a glass of champagne at a wedding, 10 being your classic stereotypical alcoholic, someone who's physically dependent on alcohol and needs to have medical support to stop drinking, what's in the middle? And that's the gray area. So I specialize supporting women who are have reached a point where alcohol has gone from being something that was fun to being something that's a crutch, something that they're using to either escape emotions, to escape their life for a little bit, to seek some kind of escapism or they're drinking for confidence when they're socializing. They're using alcohol in a way that is serving them as a crutch, but it's starting to take more than it's giving. The problem with alcohol is it's highly addictive. It's really hard to stop. It's socially expected that you will drink at every social event that you go to. So it's not as easy as saying, well, just cut down or, oh, you just need to drink less. And so I specialize in that gray area where people don't identify as being alcoholics, but they do identify as having a problem with alcohol. I just feel so, so damn glad that there's women like you existing in this space now because, and I know this is something you talk about every single day, but just thinking for our listeners who maybe they haven't kind of considered this concept or this is new, I just think so often about the women that you're supporting, you know, your last challenge over 600 women new to your work coming in and experiencing and giving up drinking for a month or cutting down drinking for a month. It's so exciting that there is this term for women and men, and I'm obviously speaking to women because I know that that's who's listening here, who would never in a million years identify as being an alcoholic. But if somebody said to them, girlfriend, do you drink too much? They'd be like, well, yes, yes, I do. Like, let's get honest here. So it's so necessary in a time when, as you say, that scale from one to 10, you know, one being like barely drink, 10 being alcoholic, it's so, so necessary. I love that there's this opportunity for people to recognize maybe they are drinking too much, an opportunity to cut down, and it does you know, identifying as being an alcoholic to do so. Yeah. And that's my absolute mission, Ellie, is to support to share the message, you don't have to be an alcoholic to decide to stop drinking. You can simply reach a point in your life like I did, which is I really struggle to moderate. Every time I say I'm just going to have one, I always drink the bottle sometimes more. So I know moderation doesn't work and alcohol's taking more than it's giving. Like for me, that showed up that every time I drank, it impacted my sleep. Every time I drank, I had chronic anxiety the next day. I was putting on weight. I had estrogen dominance. I had spots all over my skin all the time. I was tired. I was demotivated. I'd lost my spark. And 
it's okay to recognize those things and say, yeah, right. I'm going to take a break from alcohol and see how I feel without it. Because that's all it is, is I don't encourage anyone to say, right, that's it. You've got to stop drinking forever. I get them to look at their drinking and go, well, let's just see this as an experiment. Let's just see it as 30 days to go, right, what's life like without it? And how do I feel without it? And then you've got some data to be able to go, okay, and now I know that. Which version of me and which version of my life do I like more? Yes, so good. And looking at it through the lens of, is it giving more or is it taking away more? Because I think that's quite a confronting question to ask yourself in those moments. Okay, so I'm going to do a hard right turn subject change here because I really want to talk to you about business, but I think it's really useful to just share that context. And for anyone that's listening, we're about to talk business and please keep in mind, we're about to talk about a successful business that is not coaching. And I think that that's a really, really cool thing here because so often we think the only way to make money in business, the only way to build an amazing business is through being a business coach or working in business services. It's not the case. Your business scaled really quickly. What do you attribute that to? So the biggest thing for me was early 2021 when I launched a business and I'd grown a small Facebook community and I had a little bit of an online following and then it exploded. And that really happened with the article with Mamma Mia. So I had made the decision that I was going to, to share and be open and be honest and be real and share my story. But at this point, I hadn't shared it very publicly. And the editor of Mamma Mia interviewed me and wanted to know about what is gray area drinking, what are the signs you're a gray area drinking uh, and drinker, and what's your story. So I shared it and then she wrote up the article and then she sent it to me and I read it and I was like, no, 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 there is no way. There is absolutely no way in the world that you are publishing that interview. Like I can't have that going out into the world. It was a really raw, really open, very vulnerable article. It was my warts and all story of my drinking, of how bad it had got. It included information about me falling over and smashing my face open and my five-year-old daughter finding me and saying, mommy, what happened to your face? It was a really defining moment in my drinking, but it was something that I wasn't proud of and I had a lot of shame around it. And my fear was if that story goes out there, God, my kids' teachers might read it and the local butcher <laughs> might read it. Like people I know and like the, the kids' cricket coach. Like I just couldn't bear the thought of my story being out there. So I went back to her and went, no, nah, you're not sharing that. Can't have that going out there. No way. And she said to me, but Sarah, I thought you wanted to share. I thought this was your whole message was that there is no shame in being addicted to an addictive substance. There is no shame in finding it hard to control your drinking when alcohol is so addictive. And if you share this story, it's going to give so much more, more hope to other women who are stuck where you are, because there will be so many that they too can change their drinking. Because at this point, I've been sober for two years. So I went and talked to my husband and, um, and then I went, okay, let, let's do it. Let's just publish this article. And I clear as day remember it. It was March 2021. It was my birthday. It was the 14th of March. And to this day, Ellie, over 8,000 women have reached out to me after reading that article. And what that fed back to me was when I come from a place of just honesty, transparency, vulnerability, and relatability, that is what makes me the best version of doing what I do. It's not about how many numbers can I grow my audience to. It's not about how much money can I make. It comes down to when I'm open and raw and honest and vulnerable, I help so many more women 
to be able to come forward and share theirs. And every single woman that contacted me said to me, your story is my story. Mm. You know, and, and that's the, the truth of my business in that very defining moment. I made that decision. My business will forever be based on authenticity, vulnerability, and truth. And because I've stuck to that, the business has just gone from strength to strength. I wanted to pause this episode for a second to let you know about an incredible free training I have coming up. It's called How to Design a Successful Mastermind, the free three-day training to create and grow a raved about retention-generating mastermind. I'm going to be hosting it March 28th to 30th, and there are already hundreds of people signed up. I would absolutely love to have you there with me too. You can jump over and save your seat at www.elliswift.com forward slash mastermind training. I'm about to share something from a conversation we once had, and I'm 99.9% sure you're going to be fine with this. Okay. Because do you remember that call you and I had where we both ended up in tears talking about how money and what you built, just how deeply it came from a sense of purpose? Like, do you you remember that call, right? Like, I, I remember it so vividly. Like, I have goosebumps thinking about it where we were having a conversation and we were both we were talking about, you know, the recent success of a launch you'd had and what you'd created and connecting to this level of success that you'd created in your business and the depths of how it had come from purpose. And the reason I just wanted to bring that up is essentially just to second everything you've said there. And I know how deeply you lived that purpose. And it's something where Jay always says to me, he's like, you just need to talk about how you didn't start this business for the money. You need to talk about that more because it's true, you know, in a world of coaches and consultants and online business owners starting just wanting the money, it's like that is the worst possible thing you could do to make money. And again, that's not the purpose or the reason, but it's like if you want to build a successful business, start with your truth, start with your story, start with what is actually potent and impactful and meaningful for you, because when you come from that place, it builds momentum. It gathers that, as you say, like other people see themselves in you. And so I know that you really do live and breathe that truth. Yeah. And I think it's so important because I remember when I set the business up thinking to myself, this will never be more than just like a little bit of pocket money. Like it was never, ever about building a hugely successful business. It was about I'd, for the last few years in my recruitment job, I had felt so lost and so lacking in purpose and fulfillment that for me, it was about going, I'm not chasing money in any way whatsoever. I want to do something that where not a single day feels like work. And that's exactly what I have now. But it's just that in following a goal that has never been about money, the money has come in a way that I never thought it would because that's never been the focus. And you know, like I sit there with you in business coaching and you're like, so what are your numbers and what this? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. I just know how many people I've helped to not drink this month. And that's all I care about. I kind of, yes. I'm, terrible. I'm a terrible business owner in terms of knowing the bottom line of my business because I don't know any of it, but nor do I care. Like in all honesty, I don't look at profit. I don't look at things like that. For me, it's about How can I get my message out there to support so many other women who are stuck and trapped and lost and scared because their drinking has taken over their lives and they don't know where to turn next? 
Well, that's where I think you have become so good at it because you've flipped your thinking of being like, oh, this is about boring numbers and it's instead, how can I help more people? And I know that that's become a conversation that we've had a lot is like, how can you keep growing this and supporting or making the most impact? And I think we've used that word impact probably a million times in our sessions and looking at what does that look like? Is it more people? Is it less people, but in a deeper way? And I know you've set your business up in a way where you can kind of do both across your different programs. So in terms of that, like strategy and marketing piece, again, knowing that the way you look at that is through a lens of like, how can I help more people or how can I help more people in a deeper way? What would you say have been the most effective strategies that you've used when it comes to maybe overall business strategy and also your marketing? Now on the marketing one, it's interesting because I'm terrible, as you know, with tech. I'm kind of like really like a typical 46-year-old woman who doesn't know what she's doing. And my 13-year-old son knows so much more than I do. But when it came to like starting Instagram and using Instagram, I was like, I don't know what I'm doing here. I'll just, you know, I'll just start posting and just start sharing my story. And as time's gone by, I've had marketing consultants look at my business and go, but your feed's not very aesthetic, Sarah, and you don't use the right colors. And it doesn't look X, Y, and Z, Sarah. And I'm like, so, so I've trialed things that they told me and the engagement in my posts has dropped hugely by making my feed look aesthetic. And I'm like, I couldn't care less if my feed looks aesthetic. If me sharing a post about getting through a Friday night without booze, that is me sitting in the garden, stroking my dog and drinking an alcohol-free beer, being real, help someone not drink on a Friday, then I would rather share that than a picture that's got the right shade of pink and gold combined together to look aesthetic. So I kind of have gone against the grain with that, what an Instagram feed should look like and kind of just stepped into what feels real for me. That's so funny because we've never had that conversation before because I would never ever say change your feed for that exact reason because the whole crux of everything that you share and your success has been from telling your story, sharing your story, showing up super authentically and real and a lot of it in the moment as well. And I think that that's such a great example for anyone who's building their business that's fixated on following all the rules. I think you just gave such a great permission slip of you don't need to follow the rules. In fact, actually trying to follow all the rules is probably going to be really detrimental. Instead, focus on your why and your purpose and really like consistently produce from that place. And again, something that you're so good at is you're so consistent in your production. Like you're showing up every day. You're so good at visibility and so good at being there with your people and creating that community. I mean, I know that you're the one being interviewed by right now, but if I were to add my two cents on that, I think that you are exceptional at community building and exceptional at consistently being with your people, not from the point of you're constantly online because I know that you're very much not. And maybe we should talk about that a little bit as well. But from the perspective of you're always there knowing what it is that your community needs and you're building a business to support them with that. Is there anything you'd add there? Yeah. The other thing that I would add is, and I totally agree because it comes back to what are my core values and my number one core value is connection. And because it's totally. business based on connection. So you can't build a heartfelt business if you don't know what your values are. Like I yeah. honestly thank my lucky stars every single day that I did fall over and smash my face open that day because that was the 
beginning of the rest of my life. And that was the turning point of my life changing. And I am so incredibly grateful for the life that I now have and what I get to do and show up and, and support other women to do every single day. And so for me, you know, it definitely comes back to being honest and being open, but also I don't content plan. I don't sit there and go, right, on a Monday morning, I'm going to batch content. Sorry, I don't mean to say it in that voice for people that do go ahead and do it. It just doesn't work for me. I am not that person. I am impulsive. I am spur of the moment. And I'm just like, that's what I'm going to talk about today. And I just do it. And that's the way that my brain works. So for other people, maybe it does really work to batch content plan for me, not at all. Again, it's a permission slip for those people that it doesn't work for. So can you talk us through then how you do that working the way that you do? Because I know that you are not changed to your desk and a really big important thing for you has been creating more of that work-life balance, which I think would be really useful for people to hear about you having created this very incredible you know, multi-six-figure business. Tell us a little bit more about how you balance that and that lifestyle piece. So this has been where you and you know where you have been a huge help for me and really supported me in doing this. I definitely did have at one point a very long-held belief that you only deserve success if you work really hard and working really hard means working really long hours. And you helped me to break that down because I am a very hard worker and I'm a very fast worker, as we discussed in our coaching call yesterday. But when you are only inside your own head, you think everyone else works in the way that you do. So in two hours, I've realized I probably do the work of someone over eight hours. I am very, very focused. I am very, very diligent in what happens and the output that I have in a short space of time. And I didn't know that that was unusual. I thought everybody was like that until I kind of realized that they're not. Although I don't batch content things like my Instagram feed or anything like that, I do set aside the hours that I'm going to work and then I give myself full permission to not work the other time. So that book that you recommended to me, Deep Work, has been brilliant for me in cementing that again and giving me permission to go, I don't have to work eight hours a day. I can work five hours a day and probably produce more than if I sat at my desk for 10 hours, because the five hours that I'm working, I'm being concentrated, focused, and getting a lot of output. There's a lot that comes out of it. And the other time I need to have away from the desk, because that's what gives me the energy to come back and have the same level of output the next day when I just do five hours. And it's taken, it's trial and error to get there, but I've realized the more space I take and the more time I take away from the desk, Actually, the more I get done when I am working. Amen to that. And especially for anyone that's listening that is a mama, you know, in a season of small children or school-aged children, as is the case for you, you know, knowing that there's so many other things that you're doing in your life. Again, it's just like you get to have both. Like you get to have the family and the incredible family life and you get to run an incredibly successful business and serve and support hundreds and thousands of women at any one time. What about the mindset that you think has supported you most to build this business? And maybe it's a mindset that maybe it's changed over time. It's interesting because I would never have thought of it as mindset, but I can honestly tell you that there was never even a doubt in my mind when I set up the business that I wouldn't be successful. And I don't mean successful money-wise, I mean successful in helping people. Because 
there was just never a doubt. I didn't have the second guessing because I wasn't so, I wasn't attached to it financially. It wasn't like I had to have an outcome of an amount of money in order for me to deem myself successful. I wasn't attached to it in that way. I just, I visualized what was going to happen and then it happened. It literally was that, you know, we talked about mind movies in the retreat that I did with you a couple of weeks ago. And and I was doing that without knowing I was doing it. I just set up the business and I pictured myself doing exactly what I'm doing now. Like it was all there in my head. And then my head just knew what to do. And then it's just kind of followed a path to get there. I have been so instinctive with every single thing, every step of the way. I didn't have a strategy. You asked before about, I didn't even have one. I didn't start working with you until a year into my business. And so that first year, I just followed my nose. I just Mm. kind of went... I'm going to try this. This is what my clients are saying that they need. So I'm going to create a program about that. Oh, this is what they need. Right. I'm going to do that. And I just listened to my audience. I listened to my community and then I created what they needed. And that just worked so, so well for me. I think you inadvertently gave people like the best piece of advice they could take at any stage in their business journey, which is listen to your clients or listen to your community, hear them, hear what they need and then produce the solution for that, because that is the smartest business model of all time, right? Is listening to what do my people need? How can I support them better? How can I learn more about them? That curiosity piece you spoke about at the top of this call. And then how can I serve them based on that? And I love as well, when you were talking before about essentially the process of how you manifested your business, that key piece that you said there around, you knew it was going to happen, but you weren't attached to it. And I think that that can be where so many people go wrong. They A, become attached to it, but B, they're attached to it within a certain period of time. It's like you knew it was going to be successful. You didn't know when that was going to happen. You didn't know exactly what it was going to look like, but you pictured the business. You pictured the way that you were supporting people and you made that happen. And doing that without detachment, that is how you create the success, especially when you're as certain as you were. Yeah. And I guess I had the reinforced feedback because of what had happened with the Mamma Mia article Mm. because so many women had reached out to me and said, thank you for sharing. Thank you for telling me. Because up until hearing from me, the conversation that they'd ever heard was you're an alcoholic or you're not. But if you're not an alcoholic, but you're not a normal drinker, what are you? And, And that's what falls in the middle. So getting that feedback from them all that did was reinforce for me that I was on the right path and I just had to keep on doing what I was doing, which was showing up with authenticity, truth, vulnerability, and a huge, huge desire to support women and to be able to help them step into their power in the way that I had. I think that there'll be a lot of people listening to this that are going to feel super inspired by your path. And I think that the biggest thing I would say for those people who are feeling that is like, Bosh all this tenacity that you can hear and this motivation and this enthusiasm and take that and put that into your own purpose. And ultimately that's how you're going to create success in your business because, you know, watching you go, it's so much fun to support you because the best coach client relationships are the ones where the client runs the race and the coach is basically there behind rather than in front, directing, steering, supporting when they need it. So it's like, it's all about the client going and doing the thing. They're not waiting for the coach's permission in any sense of the word, but they're just supporting in the background of like, had you considered this? Have you thought about this? Like, you know, can I help with this? And 
you just do that so, so well. You're like, I'm going to run at this thing. I'm going to run at my goals. I'm going to run at supporting more and more women and use every single part of me to make that happen. And I truly believe that it's that attitude that supported you so much to create what you have. And I'll be really cheeky here as well. And I'll also say that it's also my sobriety. Like you cannot build an incredible business with the amount of passion, drive and enthusiasm if you're drinking a bottle of wine at night because you wake up every day feeling like crap. And so yeah, it's the joy of my business is I get to watch women remove alcohol and then I get to cheer them to go and find their truth and find their purpose because alcohol for women, it keeps us so small. It keeps our world small. It keeps our beliefs about ourselves so small. And when we remove alcohol, we start to build in confidence, self-esteem, mental clarity, motivation, and we start daring to dream. And that's what I get Mm. to do every day in the way that you do is I get to watch these women come out of the shadow that alcohol was keeping them in. And Mm. I get to watch them go and build their lives. I've got ladies in their seventies who set up jam making businesses. I've got clients who've gone back to uni and who've moved across the world, who've started horse riding and tap dancing and amateur dramatics and taken on this whole new lease of life because they've removed alcohol. And so that would be, of course, from the gray area drinking coach. That's the other thing that I would say. Do you know what? I'm going to add to that as well, because I've got my own experiences with how that is so very true. You know, I say to Che, so as you know, I do drink alcohol, but quite infrequently in the last 12 months, actually really intentionally. And I often say to Che, like, I know that when I'm going through peak performance windows in my business in particular, that the only way that I can be in that peak performance energy is not drinking alcohol, like the only way. And so I'll have very intentional seasons in the business where I'm like, I'm an athlete right now in the way that I'm showing up. Like, why would I drink? Like the two just do not match. And, you know, I I love hearing everything that you share around the science and because let's face it, like alcohol is actually poison. And the moments that I'm choosing to put poison in my body, I'm doing so knowingly and not proud of it. But it's so wild to me that there's people that perhaps are thinking I can go through these big sprints in my business and I can be in peak performance and still doing so while drinking a bottle of alcohol at night. Like it just doesn't match up. Yeah. Yeah. I want, this is not a podcast about sharing facts about alcohol, but. Okay. I started that. That it it impacts sleep, anxiety, (laughs) mental well-being, energy, mental clarity. It reduces your serotonin. It destroys your gut health. Like all of those things that impact how you show up every day. You can't be the best in your business and be drinking, as you say, alcohol most nights of the week. The two don't go together. And so it's then also about getting clear on what are my goals? What do I want? And like I say to everyone, most people in the Western world never take a long enough break from alcohol to know how great they can feel without it. Because yes. you drink you know, so much, even if it's two or three nights a week, you're still impacted by it. And that's why people that come and do my challenges, they're not They don't all have problems with alcohol. They just want to come and get the facts, get the information and learn to see and show up and go, well, what's she going on about? What? Let's go and see for myself. Is it true that I'm going to feel so much better if I remove alcohol? And so I work with a broad spectrum of women on that scale. They're not all in the seven or eight on that scale. Some of them are three or four. Well, I highly recommend that people come and check out your challenges. So while we're on the topic, can you share a little bit more about your next challenge that you've got available, knowing that this will come out 
in March, this episode. Can you share a little bit more about how anyone listening can come and join you and where they can find you as well? Yeah, so I'll have an alcohol-free challenge running in April and that's a 30-day challenge. So for anyone listening or if you've got a friend or a sister or a mom or someone who you think would really benefit from taking a month off booze but doing it in a community with other women all doing it together in a safe and supportive environment because my focus is not on taking alcohol out. What I focus on is what are you adding in? So why are we drinking so much in the first place and what do we need to add in? So there's a lot on managing stress without alcohol. How do I fall asleep without needing alcohol? How do I soothe my nervous system without alcohol? How do I start finding joy and interests in my life without alcohol? So come and be curious and and see what comes up for you because it's definitely um, a month of learning so much about ourselves. So good. Thank you so much for sharing that. We'll pop the link to that in the show notes so that you can access it and jump on over and join Sarah, as well as obviously your social handles. Where's the best place to connect with you right now? So either Instagram, which is at Sarah Rusbach, or my Facebook community, my free group, which is the Women's Wellbeing Collective. And there's heaps of resources on my website as well, sarahrusbach.com. Amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that. And thank you so much for being here. I'm so, so glad that I got to share you with everyone and um, share more about your work. It's been an absolute pleasure and I just adore you. You know that already. No, likewise. Thank you so much, Ellie. And thank you for all the support you've given me. Such a pleasure.